Downtown Southern Maryland. It's time for Gears of Resistance episode number 11 for June 28th, 2015. We are a bi-weekly podcast bringing you the latest and greatest in open source hardware news, tips and tricks for doing electronics projects, and some ideas every now and then on how to build a business around open source hardware. Um, all right. So that's the intro. This is going to be a very short episode this week, just really to get us back on track with our normal bi-weekly with Steam Power podcast because we've been um, very bad in staying up to date. So we're going to try to do a real quick win today just to get one out so that way next week we're back on track with Steam Power. That means the week after we'll be back with a, uh, a more detailed, longer, better, faster, cheaper version of uh, Gears of Resistance. But with that, um, so this past weekend and wrapping up just a few hours ago was uh, Field Day 2015. So if you are a amateur radio nerd like myself, you hopefully got a chance to spend the weekend uh, out and about uh, setting up with your radio and perhaps a generator and some other goodies to uh, get on the air and practice a, um, you know, emergency communication because that's really the point of field day, at least originally envisioned, is, you know, when we don't have all the fancy things like, I don't know, AC wall power um, and, you know, permanently set up radios, how would you in a very short time set up radio communications uh, like in the event of a, a tornado or um, other natural disaster. Uh, but then it's also a competition once, once the radios are up. Um, it's a competition. It's fun. It's also a good way to um, uh, introduce um, amateur radio to new folks because a lot of times you'll actually set up at a public space like a public park and um, it's real easy to get people to come and check out your radios and antennas and other neat things. Um, I did that. I spent the first day Saturday just here at the house because we had bad weather coming. So I uh, just did a couple uh, contacts here at the house, had a little fun, got everything set up. Uh, finally got around to building a go box, which is basically, uh, how do I describe it? It's taking all your radio. So in a radio, my antenna tuner, my, uh, digital sound card, um, that lets my, uh, interface with my computer and my scope and external speaker and put that all in one box permanently mounted so that when I'm at the house, I can get on the air and then, uh, when I want to go out to the field, instead of having to take away every, take apart every individual thing, I had one box where I just literally take out the antenna, uh, unscrew the power and have everything else permanently mounted. And I take that outside with me. And, uh, when I come back at the end of the day, all I got to do is take the box, bring it back up to the room and put it back down into my little special nook for it. And then plug the power, plug the antenna and you're back to go. So in other words, it saves a lot of setup and teardown time. That's the whole idea. Um, so that was a good excuse to get that done and play with the 3D printer and print out some 3D printed parts this uh, past weekend and get that all set up and ready to go. So anyway, we went over to our local makerspace this afternoon, Sunday, and uh, got a, about another dozen contacts. Uh, and um, that was cool. It's good to have some time outside of the uh, the normal 
operating ham shack. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully if you're a ham, um, you got on the air this weekend. If you aren't a ham, hopefully you got a chance to go take a look. And if you didn't, you only have to wait like another 365 days for next year's field day, which is usually, it's always the fourth, fourth full weekend in June, something like that. Um, but you can always check it out at ARRL.org. It stands for Amateur Radio Relay League. So you can check them out. Um, but if you don't want to wait till next year, they're, um, you know, Google your, your, uh, local, you know, zip code, uh, you know, local municipality or whatever and type in Amateur Radio Club. And more than likely there's a local club somewhere that you can go around and, uh, any time of the year and meet other hams and try to figure out if that's something that you want to do. And, uh, usually that the clubs are also ones where you'll go and actually take your test to get your license. So anyway, that's that. Uh, let's see here. So some news stories this week that are kind of electronics E. Um, Let's see here. Oh, so here was a cool one. So a group out of Tel Aviv University and Israel's Technion Research Institute have developed a palm-sized device that can wirelessly extract um, data from a nearby laptop based on the radio waves that the a processor leaks uh, when it's being used. So um, for many years we've known, like, Field CRT monitors because it's basically RF energy or, um, they operate at RF frequencies that, uh, they're putting out RF noise that you can, if you're nearby, you can set up, you know, a little antenna and some other electronics and recreate the screen. Um, so you can see what the person's working on. Um, and obviously you could probably then record it and yada, yada, yada. So we've been able to do that. Um, but this is actually a, uh, and it's the cool thing is it's 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 all for it's under three hundred bucks. So it looks like this looks like a little single board computer, um, one of those little SDR uh, software defined radio receivers that plug into that little single board computer, a little wire antenna, um, and if you're so interested, you can have a uh, Wi-Fi antenna to transmit it remotely. But the thing is, this thing has to do within right now about two feet of of the laptop or computer that it's eavesdropping on. But uh, so the way, it, and it's specifically, it's built to, um, and it's. Let me give you the name of it real quick before I forget. PETA. Because uh, it's about the size of a piece of pita bread, uh, it stands for Portable Instrument for Trace Acquisition. P I T A, pain in the asses on the one that put it. Um, but basically, it sits there, and um, this this specific piece of hardware is sit there to attack um, your encryption keys that are stored with a version of the of PGP encryption called GNU PG. And um, basically what they figured out is a way to specifically have uh, the laptop through the encryption. So a wireless uh, link, uh, it sends it very specific packets that cause um, 
the decryption to occur um, in a specific way. And he sits there and listens for uh, the processor as it's computing, as it's decrypting the messages it receives. They can then reverse engineer what the key is to that is doing the encryption. And therefore, now if they have the, the, the key, they can then take a look at all your messages. So basically, there, there's a way they figured out to force the laptop to work on a very specific message. They listen to the processor decrypt the message that they've sent, which we then reverse engineers the, uh, and they listen for the, the emanations of the out as it's cranking on that data. The processor's putting out RF noise. Um, they listen to that with their little SDR radio and they're able to figure out what the encryption key is. In a nutshell, I think that's it. Uh, and like I said, it's under, they can do it with hardware that's less than 300 bucks. Wow, that is pretty cool. Um, and just goes to show you that, you know, security is just like, you know, door locks. It keeps honest people honest. But if someone is really intent on getting your stuff, uh, they're going to get it one way or the other. Um, of course, obviously right now the issue is within two feet is still means you got to be pretty darn close to the laptop. So yes, you could have it described, you know, hidden as a, in this case, they put it in a piece of pita red, but you know, something that's only three, four, five inches across, you can hide it in other things, trash cans, plants, whatever. Um, and if you're not freaked out enough, the researchers are already working on a, uh, upgrade version that would allow for longer distance snooping so that, you know, you could be more than, you know, a couple feet, maybe few dozen feet maybe you can be on a different floor maybe you can be in another room um so there you go encryption we'll put a link to the uh, story so you can uh, read it and freak yourself out all right last thing um so i've used for a while a um a service a website called octopart Octopart.com is a place that you can put in a pretty much every freaking electronic component in the world and get the data sheet about it, which is cool enough by itself. But apparently, and I don't know how long this has been around, uh, I didn't notice, but there is a special part of Octopart called the Common Parts Library, um, which... Uh, on top of having the spec, the data sheets on the part, it actually has like symbols and footprints to use in things like EagleCAD. Um, and the nice thing is what I like it is that the fact that because it says common parts, so it should be stuff in theory that's very easy to source. So if you're building a circuit, and you're looking for, okay, I need resistors, I need capacitors, I need a certain op amp. Well, you know, you know, if you go onto Mauser or DigiKey or Jamico, that you type in op amp, there's like hundreds of different choices. And, you know, there's ways to, you know, to sort out, um, or filter down to, you know, okay, I know I need something that needs to be able to handle, let's say the resistor. Uh, it has to handle at least a watt of power. Um, you know, maybe you know certain physical constraints on your circuit board, but the point is there's a lot 
But with this, with this library, you can kind of neck down, especially if you're someone who's doing, you know, you're not doing a high volume circuit. Say maybe you're building maybe 20, 50 boards or even just, just building one board for something that for you personally. Um, this helps you know what kind of parts are probably more than likely going to be readily available. Uh, instead of having to, you know, do a design around a part that then you can never find or a part that will cost you like, you know, 25 bucks for one part. So check it out. It's octopart.com slash common hyphen parts hyphen library. Uh, again, we'll put the link in the show notes, but you can check that out if you are interested, um, in, uh, finding common parts. For common, for uncommon projects. Common parts for your uncommon project. That should be their logo. All right. Uh, what else did I want to share with you all good folks today? Um, boom, boom, um, oh, hackster.io. So, uh, came across a kind of like, um, a project sharing site for makers and DIY people. Uh, called Hackster, uh, H-A-C-K-S-T-R dot I-O, excuse me, Hackster dot I-O. And, um, basically you go there, you create an account, you have, you can share projects, you can like projects. It's, um, there's, there's some big players on here. There's everyone from Microsoft to SparkFun to Adafruit. Um, they've all got, uh, projects on here and it seems to be it seems to be pretty popular um you know there's a lot I've, in the past we've looked at a lot of different you know social media sites specifically for makers and I, of course i sign up for everyone just to if nothing else reserve my uh username but this one actually seems um like it's getting some traction um and i've said that before and i ended up wrong but uh, Windows, Microsoft is on there. They're really pushing their um, Windows 10 Internet of Things core for Raspberry Pi and Arduino. So they're really trying to, uh, you know, find a way to uh, get people to come in and play with their projects. They've got a bunch of example projects that they've probably had people do for them or people have done using it. Um, so, so if nothing else, the point is if you're looking for project ideas, you can come in here and, you know, look at three or four and you can kind of come up with, you know, you can either, if you're just learning, try to recreate it. You know, a lot of this is like, there's how to's, they provide source code and design files. Um, so if you're just starting, it's a good way to pick out a project that maybe is a little bit more complicated than you, um, would find in a lot of these, you know, make, uh, books, uh, but the other night thing is if you're looking for project ideas, um, what I find is, you know, you come in here and I find three or four, then I try to figure out a way to like take three or four. Like I like this idea, but I like this idea from this project and you can come up with your own. It's a good way to get some, um, motivation when, uh, you need to do a project and you just don't really know where to start. So hackster.io. Check that out. And what, what am I going to end you with? Oh, so we'll end with a little, uh, do I want to end with this? Is there anything I want to talk about the business, business side real quick before I end it? Or should I do the story first? Let's do the story first. So there is a new, uh, television show. Um, it's on USA Network. 
here in the U.S., I'm sure, though, it's by now, it's probably been, you know, digitized and, you know, not that I endorse any of that, but if you can't get it legally, um, in your neck of the woods, you know, there's ways to find it. Anyway, it's called Mr. Robot. Um, actually, the, the, the uh, premiere was actually on YouTube, so... Actually, it premiered on YouTube before it showed up on USA Network. Uh, I watched the first episode and it seems like, you know, it's, you know, I'm sure, you know, those of us who really work in this world, we laugh at some of the, uh, you know, it's not quite, what was the night? It was Hackers, the 1994 movie Hackers. You know, it's not quite that silly. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it has that spirit. Um, you know, but, let's face it, you're, you're trying to make a television show about computers, technology, engineering, hacking, making, you know, you can't be tr- very true to the actual way it works because people would not off within the first five minutes. So of course they got to take some artistic, uh, in, you know, interpretations of how computers work and how security works. And, but the, um, um, the story seems pretty good. It seems basically um, that there's a young gentleman who's got, you know, some personal issues. He's seeing a psychiatrist, um, you know, kind of rough childhood stuff, but he's very good with computers. That was kind of his, his escape. Uh, now he's really good at computers, but he's also now he's very aware um, because I guess he recognized that he is, quote unquote, not normal, that he's very good at analyzing people. Which is kind of weird and funny in a way, um, but he kind of he can kind of read people, um, and then he kind of is like social engineering wise. Uh, but anyway, he works for an IT security firm and is apparently really good at what he does. Uh, but in the premiere, he's approached by um, uh, kind of like an anonymous type group to you know help us you know free change the world, free the world kind of thing. So. Anyway, I haven't seen the second episode. I think it hits tonight. But the premiere was pretty good. So check it out. Mr. Robot, USA Network. Um, you know, I'm also watching Halt and Catch Fire, the second season, because I binge watched the first season. It's pretty good. Again, um, so much reality can only take you so far. Um, with that, I guess I'm getting the sign that it's time to wrap things up. Okay. Um, so yeah, Mr. Robot, Halt, Catch, Fire, there's your little entertainment news. I'm trying to think if there's anything about business stuff I want to talk about. I'm really liking FreshBooks, so we'll spin off the technology side. We'll talk about running a business based on open source hardware, some tips. Um, I'm really in love with FreshBooks, so I recommend checking that out for your, um, bookkeeping and invoicing tool. Um, I think things have changed since when I, when I signed up, you got a free account, gave you three free, you could have three clients. Um, I think that's now changed and I'm grandfathered in, in which case I'm not sure what the new free account gives you. Um, but if there's any other recommendations out there, if there's something that's, um, you know, I, let me see. I think there's, I think there's like a $9 a month version or tier, I guess. 
let's see what the new, uh, you can try it free. I think it's free for 30. I think, yes, it's announced it's free for 30 days. So I don't know if that means, um, there is no more th- 30 or three client, which would be a shame. Yeah, I don't see anything about free, f- you know, permanently it just says everything is now try it free for 30 days. Well, that's crap. What are the, what's the tiers? Let's see, let's try this fresh book, fresh books pricing. Let's see what that says. Here we go, the pricing page. I don't know why it's not easier to find. It looks like there's a robot.txt file that says, don't look at me. So yeah, for, so basically 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month, and 40 bucks a month are now the tiers. Five bucks a month, basically, or 10 bucks a month, you're limited to five clients, 20 bucks a month, 25 clients, 30 bucks unlimited, 40 bucks unlimited. Um, and then those higher tiers, the 30 and 40 bucks, you can add, um, basically staff. So really the, if you're a one man shop, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, or 10 bucks, 20 bucks, five, 25 clients. Which sucks because yeah, the free the free version at three clients forever. For a small business, you're probably not going to have more than three clients at once, and then you can you can archive clients as you're not you know you're done with them. That really was a very nice feature. So anyway, I'm going to stop that rant. Is there anybody else out there? What else do you use besides FreshBooks? Um. Oh, one last thing, and maybe this is some, if someone else has this issue, and maybe you can help figure it out. So, upgrade it to Arduino 1.65, because I've got an Arduino 0, which I've played with a little bit. I'm trying to get it, I want to get it fired up on the Atmel Studio next, and actually play with a debugger, but I haven't done that yet. But anyway, so, running Yosemite, latest, all, everything up to date. And it's like a 2012 MacBook. Um, but plug in, the ID's all up to date. Plug in a Uno, plug in a Mega. Um, and if I have Chrome running, and here's what I'm, here's where I'm thinking. If I have, specifically I've got like, um, was it Flash Block running? When I go to upload, I'm getting a bunch of weird errors, like AVR dude not responding, um, and it, it seems like it's. And then, then I'll you know unplug it, put it back in. Works the first time, before like when I reset, I'll restart the computer. Works the first time, fire up Chrome again, and boom, I'm start getting the weird upload errors. Shut down Chrome. Launch Firefox. No problem. And I've got a flash blocker on there. It's not the same one, obviously. But as far as I can tell, and maybe it's just me being crazy, when I'm running an up-to-date version of Chrome, OS 10 Yosemite, with, let me think, yeah, the 1.65 
IDE. I'm getting a somehow. I don't know if the if if does it use Flash somehow, or is there something with Chrome running? Um, that is making Arduino IDE not happy. I I really I I've tried everything. Like I shut down every other application that was running in the background. Only fired up Chrome and the IDE, and that's the only time I get the error. So, anyway, curious. Anybody else have this problem? When I go search for it, I feel like I'm like you know I'm crazy because there's no one else talking about this. So that's my rant for the week. That's it. I think I'm going to end it. So yeah, we're about half hour in. So I promise we're going to get back on the bandwagon here in two weeks. I've got some interviews starting to line up from people I met at the National Maker Fair a few weeks back. So those are coming up. I got some other folks I want to interview and then we're going to do some, maybe some more, uh, projects. So we're going to start talking about some project ideas and, and I'm working on a project now. Um, I'm not going to talk about the details of it, but I'm going to talk, I'm going to kind of do like a little journal of the process. So each week or every other week, I'm going to do a, a, a discussion of where I'm at, how I'm designing it, what's going on right now. I'm at the point where basically I, I basically have got my maker notebook and I'm just sketching out you know, I wrote down all the parts I need to use. I'm taking the microcontroller pins and I'm assigning everything. Okay, I'm going to put this on this pin, this on this pin. So I'm just going to do this. It's all paper at this, at this process. There's no, I'm kind of doing like some sketches of what it will look like. Um, but everything right now is, is in the, uh, analog world. Nothing's been digitized. And, uh, that's how I'm starting this project. Just, I'm just trying to think about, cause there's a lot of, there's a problem is there's a lot of parts. There's a lot of things that, they want interfaced and um whew, it's a lot of parts and i've got to make sure i've got uh, just I've, i got enough pins on my microcontroller to handle that and i think right now i'm good but it could be bad if i pick another part but this one part would alleviate the need for like four or five other parts so that's the trade-off that's where i'm at and again, I'll have to I'll talk in kind of like, you know, vague terms. Won't specifically talk about the project itself, but we'll just talk about the, the, the meta project. Um, things that you may experience in general, regardless of what project you're working on. So the big thing is before you start, before you, you really go out and especially buying parts, before you do that, go get all the specs, all the data sheets and do things like, okay, make sure I've got enough IO pins on my microcontroller to even handle all the parts I want to do. Make sure everything is running on the same voltages. Um, you know, or, you know, if you've got a, th- you know, three volt, five volt, um, make sure you get some level shifters. Um, it becomes a real pain in the butt though if you go beyond maybe one or two. You know, if you've got a 1.8 volt, a three volt, five volt, um, Becomes, it just becomes a pain in the butt, especially when you're trying to do something that's intended to be um, small and compact. Yeah, so check the spec sheets and um, make sure you nail down all the requirements from your client. Write it down, get it written down, agree upon it, send it back in writing. Don't just have it, you know, word for word. Um, if nothing else, it's a CYA for you as the uh, the consultant. All right, so that's it for this week. Uh, I just make sure there's nothing else. I don't think so. 
So anyway, we'll uh, head over to gearsofresistance.com. There'll be links to everything we talked about today. And, um, yeah, leaves us some feedback. You know, is there anything else that you use besides FreshBooks? If you're a, if a small business, um, is anyone else having this weird issue with Google Chrome and the Arduino IDE? At least I think that's it. Um, and, uh, what other tools are, or do you guys use? Is there hackster.io for social network, for making, finding that community? Is there anything else out there besides Octoparts, common parts library? Um, let us know. Oh, and are you watching, uh, are you watching Mr. Robot or Help and Catch Fire? And what do you think about those? Let us know. Anything you want to know. Anything you want to talk about. You can feel free. We're a, we're a safe place to come talk. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. So thank you all very, very much for listening. And uh, until next time, stay tuned.